Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. My name is David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. I am your host for the day, and I've got an interesting topic that I would love to have your brain on. I'd love to have you think with me. The Bible says to reason together concerning the scriptures. Paul would do that. One of the things that I've been most shocked with becoming an independent Baptist 35 years ago is the extent that so many people do not try to help others when they fall. They kick them. They put them down. This phrase that uh, the Christian army is the only army that shoots their wounded. I was in the army. And it doesn't matter why someone fell, why someone is laying there. We did everything we could to patch them up, stop the bleeding. It could have been their own fault. They could have been stupid. They could have totally disobeyed orders. But whatever the reason they're laying there fallen and hurting, we didn't care. Our job was to pick them up, patch them up, and put them back together so they could fight again. They could fight again. I saw this quote this week from somebody. It said, we would rather bury our wounded than restore our fallen. Well, how sad. We would rather bury our wounded than to, than restore our fallen. And it seems like so many times that is true. So I want to reason with you this uh, morning for me, whatever time for you. I want to reason with you um, and get you to think about this and call it, you already saw it, stages of fall, stages of a fall and restoration, stages of a fall and restoration. I started thinking, here's what is said many times when someone falls and we try to help them. And we're talking to other people and they say, well, they're not repentant. Well, they're not repentant. Well, they're not repentant. I don't know how many times we've heard that in the last few months trying to help people. Well, they're not repentant. And that's the phrase that's used. And everyone does, yeah, yeah, you can't help them if they're not repentant. Yep, can't help them if they're not repentant. This is the verse on restoring people, okay? Let me read it for you. Galatians 6.1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... 
Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness as long as he is repentant. (laughs) Is that what it says? No. What's the only prerequisite for restoring someone? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. That's it. His fault? Yeah, it's a fault. He was overtaken in a fault. The only prerequisite, the only requirement to help somebody to be restored is if they were overtaken in a fault. Now, there is a requirement for us, you which are spiritual. The reason why most people don't restore is because they're not spiritual. They're proud and would rather put someone down to lift themselves up. Amen. (laughs) This podcast may be a little preachy. Forgive me, okay? But that's the only reason why we want to lift ourselves up. Oh, look at that guy. Oh, I thank thee that I am not as this heathen and this publican. Really? (laughs) Or, oh, God, be merciful and be a sinner. That's supposed to be our attitude. The rest of the verse says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It's always amazing to see how people jump on someone when they fell without realizing, watch out, buddy, that could be you. And many times it is. So when I was hearing, well, they're not repentant, they're not repentant, and I go to the Bible, like, okay, yes, for them to be truly restored, I agree, they have to be repentant. But for us to start restoring them, do they have to be repentant? No, and there's no prerequisite requirement for that. The only requirement is if they were overtaken in a fault. So what do we do? We reach out to them. We love them. I don't know how many times I've called or knocked on a door or visited somebody when they fell and just said, hey, I don't need to know the story. I'm not here to find out the story. I just want to let you know God loves you and we love you and God has a plan for your life. And if I can help you in any way, let me know. That's it. And I don't stay around and hang around to try to hear the dirt because I don't care. If you need to tell me, that's fine, but that's not why I'm here. I just want to let you know God loves you. God cares about you. And sometimes in the beginning, they're not repentant at all. They don't care. Uh, Why are you here? I didn't ask for your help. You got it. Sorry, just want to let you know. But I promise you, there's going to come a day when, you ready? When they come to themselves and they wake up and they go, okay, I need some help. Who am I going to reach out to? You know, that guy was kind. He cared. He reached out. He tried to help. Had a guy we were helping and a good friend of mine. And uh, he called me one day and he said, did you mention my name to this pastor? And there was a reason why I did, but yes, I did. He said, I do not want you talking about my situation and my name to anybody and especially that pastor. Do you understand me? I could have fought. I could have pushed back. I could have preached at him. I could have put him down for his sin and his fall. I said, yes, sir. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to hurt you or say anything to hurt, but uh, thank you for letting me know. And I'll do my best not to uh, repeat that. Six months later, guess who he called when he was ready to get right? Still remember where my wife, we were on a date and this guy called me like, whoa, totally different. Man, great spirit, great attitude. What happened? God brought him to the place where he came to himself. And when he came to himself, guess what he looked for? Who can I go to that could help me? Someone who didn't put me down before, someone who cared about me, someone who started restoring me without them even knowing it, by reaching out to them and being kind, by reaching out and humbling themselves. So I was thinking about, okay, here's somebody that fell and they're not repentant. So are we not supposed to try to help them? And what I was thinking about is when somebody grieves, when someone loses a loved one, it's commonly known and most people teach it. You don't have to go through all of these, but when you lose a loved one that's close to you, if tragically you got a call, your daughter or son was in a car wreck and died, you're going to go through some of these. It's called stages of grief. 
If your wife, you found out immediately she's got this big cancer and it's stage four and, and in two weeks she's gone, you're going to go through some of these stages of grief. And this is secular and this is what they put out, stages of grief. And again, if you're super close to God, you won't have to go through all these, but some of them you will. Here's the stages of grief, shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, and acceptance. And people that teach that, you may skip one and go back and forth to another one to another. It's not step one week here, two weeks here, a month here. It's not. But if you've ever lost someone tragically, then you could yeah, shock it shock initially denial no way i must be dreaming that there's no way that happened anger god why would you take my son amen been there my parents lost their first child two years old a little girl named debbie passed away that's a natural steps or stages of grief that we go through i'd like to give you this and this is the reasoning thought are there stages in a fall are there stages that people go through in a fall I'm going to use basically the story of Adam and David, okay, Adam and David, and you'll see the points. By the way, many things happen before fall, and that's what we should really focus on, fixing those things like pride, <laughs> which goeth before a fall, okay? Um, that's why when we condemn people, we're not considering ourselves, less, well, less we are also tempted, so that humility, say, wow, that could be me, that will keep you from a fall. But pride to say, oh, I can't believe that guy did that, I would never, well, watch out. You just got lifted up with pride, which goes, what comes after that? A fall. How many people who fell were proud and looked down at somebody else when they fell? Um, thank God my wife and I have been married for 33 years. Um, um, I'm the only guy she's ever kissed. And, um, and there's not one woman in this world who could rightly say that I have flirted with them uh, in the last 35 years since I got right with God. Now, before 35 years ago, <laughs> you could almost fill in the blank. I was a mess. Military, paratrooper, in jail, alcohol, drugs. Okay, that's my past. But from 35 years ago, when I surrendered to God, there's not one woman in this world that can say I've even flirted with them. Okay, in all honesty, there's probably a 90-year-old lady at the nursing home that uh, I flirted with, but my wife said it was okay, okay? You sure look nice today. You're sure pretty, Miss So-and-So, okay? So she was 90, okay, probably you got me on that, okay? But there's not a person in the world that can say I've ever, so this is not in defense of me. This is to try to help to get people back serving the Lord. By the way, that friend of mine that came to himself and called me, uh, restored serving God today, salvage their marriage and their family. He's not pastoring, but he's serving God in a gigantic way. What would have happened if I'd have pushed back and been proud and arrogant and put him down? How dare you call me? You're a blank, blank. You did this and this and this. What, what, what would that have done? I'll tell you who he would not have reached out to when he came to himself, and I wouldn't have had a part in helping to restore him. So reason with me, I think if you understand this, when you hear of someone falling and they're not repentant, you're going to understand and love them and in the spirit of meekness, still try to restore them because you understand they're not at that point yet. So when someone falls, what's the first thing they do? Okay. Go with me, Adam. First thing you fell. Uh Oh, they took the fruit. They fell. What did they do? They tried to cover their sin. Is that natural? <laughs> Hello. Is that natural? <laughs> Ah, uh, son, did you eat a cookie out of the cookie jar? No, ma'am. Half of it's in his mouth. The other half's behind his back, okay? What's he doing? It's natural, human nature, to cover your sin. <laughs> he got caught, okay? Sorry, buddy. Uh, I see the cookie. You got it. Um, but don't we try to do that? 
hello, is it good? Is it right? No. Is it natural? Yes. So if somebody is is enough far away from God and they sinned and they fell, do we expect them to be spiritual and handle, handle it right right away? No. I expect them to try to cover it. How come? Because that's natural. That's what Adam did. What did David do when he was caught? When he sinned? Uh-oh, she's pregnant. Uh, I got to cover it. Bring husband home. Send them together. I can hide the baby and let everyone think it's his. Hello. What do we do? Those are two big names, Adam and David. When they fell, when they sinned, what did they do? They tried to cover it. They tried to cover it. Okay. Do not be surprised when a preacher falls that they don't try to cover it. That is natural. Next, stages of a fall. Uh, They try to hide from God and from godly people. Adam, (laughs) where art thou? Where's Adam at? Okay. Uh, He's hiding. hiding. We try to hide from God and hide from godly people. Well, yeah, they don't want to be around me. Yeah, they, they're they ashamed. Um, they're in sin. Um, they're naked spiritually, and they're trying to hide. It's a stage. Don't expect them to be super spiritual. They just fell. Hello. They just fell. Understand that and restore in the spirit of meekness. What do they do? They lie. They lie. Okay. Uh, oh, I can't. They're not repentant. They lied. Yeah. Yeah, they just fell, and they're going to lie. Is that natural? Is that human nature? Son, did you eat that cookie? No, sir. <laughs> You're lying. You got it in your mouth, okay? Uh, they try to cover sin. They hide from God and godly people, and they lie. What else? They blame others. Well, he's not repentant. I can't help him. He's blaming other people. Yeah, that's what people do. Did Adam do that? Um, God, uh, the woman you gave me, <laughs> woman, uh, it's a serpent. Yeah, we blame people. When people are fallen, they're not spiritual. They don't take responsibility right away for their sin. But when, later on, they come to themselves, amen, like the prodigal did, and realized, wow, it was a whole lot better off just to be a servant for my dad. He was humble. He was broken. He came to himself, and he got restored, okay? But what would have happened if his dad had been hard and mean? You punk, you want your money now? Fine, don't you ever come back here? Don't you show your face here? No, no. If we're that way, we never get to restore someone. I'm sorry. I want to restore people. I want them back in the arm of the Lord. I want them back serving the Lord. I want to salvage their marriage and salvage their kids. The families we've been able to put their marriages back together and their kids back together, they're happy, they're serving God. They fell, they sinned, yes. But man, the family's restored and they're serving God. There's not bitterness. We need more soldiers. And by the way, some of the best soldiers are ones who fell, who were wounded, you get back up a different way and you fight in a different way now because you realize, boy, the enemy is powerful. And I put down my shield and I got hurt. I got, I got wounded. I fell, but I'm not going to let that happen. Stages of a fall, trying to cover sin, hiding from God and godly people, lying, blaming others. Here we go. Expecting everything to return to normal, even though we sinned. Expecting everything to turn, return to normal, even though we've sinned. I think sometimes we want to keep them down, put them down. They need to wear a scarlet letter. They need to, we need to let the whole world know forever that they're a sinner. Really? <laughs> but all, on the other side, what they want, okay, fine, I sinned. God forgave me. Okay. And they want to go right back in their position and title, act like nothing ever happened. Is that natural? Is that natural? Do you think Adam and Eve were shocked that they had to leave the garden? but wait, this is our home. Okay, I sinned. All right, we're covered now. We're the blood. Okay, we're covered. Why do we have to leave? Why do we have to leave our home? Why do we have to leave our garden? Um, 
a stage of a fall is expecting everything to return to normal, even though we've sinned. Here's David. He got it covered. Uh, he got uh, Uriah killed, and he married uh, the woman, and now they had a baby, and everything's okay. He expected things to go on, even though he had sinned. Back to normal, even though he had sinned. Oh, they're not repentant. You can't help them. They think they ought to be able to go. Yes, that's natural. That's a part of it. And then here we go. There's a point in this where we accept our guilt and then God's forgiveness through the blood of the lamb. We accept our guilt and God's forgiveness through the blood of the lamb. Did Adam and Eve have that? Yep, the lamb was shed. They were covered by the skins after the lamb was shed, after after the lamb was killed and the blood was shed. Did David read Psalm 51? Absolutely, he did. Um, His sins were crimson, Isaiah were white as snow. Uh, What can happen? They accept God's forgiveness through the blood of the lamb. And then what happens? They have to realize, stage, they have to suffer the consequences. David lost a baby, family problems, situations. Um, Adam and Eve, they had to leave the garden, okay? And they had to suffer the consequences. And that's hard. And, and it's not, we don't like it. No one, no one likes that. <laughs> Were you speeding? Yes, officer, here's your ticket. Do we like it? (laughs) We don't like it. We have to suffer the consequences of our sin. um, And it's a stage we have to go through. And then the last one, rebuilding a life and family God's way. Rebuilding a life and family God's way. Um, Can that happen? Absolutely. When they're restored, they get to rebuild a life and a family God's way. I think we need to be careful judging someone that sinned too harshly. They're a sinner and they just fell, they're not going to handle it like a super Christian. They're going to try to cover it. They're going to hide it. They're going to lie about it. They're going to blame other people. <laughs> okay, They're going to. Uh, they're going to expect everything to return to normal, even though they've sinned. But there comes a place in that fallen person's life where they hit bottom, where they come to themselves, and they realize, oh, <laughs> woe is me, for I'm man. I'm done. I- I'm a sinner. I need God. And they realize that. Then who are they going to go to? Who gets to help them? The ones that restored them in the spirit of, here we go, meekness. Where's the condemnation? Where's the judgmentalism in that? They sinned. Listen, when someone sinned, you don't have to preach the devil out of them. Most of them know that. And if they're not handling it right, they're not going to take it from you. Let God still spank them. He will. Okay. You be kind. You be meek. You be the one that they come back to. Why? Because they know you're not going to condemn them. Meekness. Here's what it is. This is Webster's 1828, softness of temper, mildness, gentleness. By the way, David who sinned, how did, David is a great man by all anyone's category. David was a great man. What did David say made him great? Twice he said, God, thy gentleness hath made me great. Gentleness. Hey, if God can be gentle with David, shouldn't we be gentle with someone when they fall? Um, Meekness, mildness, gentleness, forbearance forbearing, putting up with people under injuries and provocations. Do we forbear them when they fall? Are we ready to preach to rip their faith? You, how dare you? You, that's not the way we're supposed to handle it when someone falls. The prodigal came to himself. Luke 15, 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? Uh, and I perish with hunger. He came to himself. He realized where he was at and he came. By the way, when somebody falls, you know what they need right away? They need some physical help. They need some physical help. Interesting, when Peter fell, okay? Remember Peter's fall? 
I know he didn't do anything bad, you know, like adultery. He just cursed, swore, denied Christ. You know, he didn't do anything really, really bad. Even though the Bible says, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father, which is in heaven. Oh, wait, that does sound like a pretty big sin, doesn't it? Huh? He denied Christ, cursed and swore that he even knew him. Then even after the resurrection, he quit the ministry and went fishing. Huh? What happened? What did Jesus do? Well, you want to see a master at restoration, go read Jesus, how he restored Peter. Go read that. Loved him, cared about him. Meekness. What's the first thing he did? <laughs> Provided for his physical need. He caught him fish, cast again on the other side. Wow, look at all these fish. And when he got to the shore, Jesus had fish already there, uh, food ready for him. Take care of their physical needs. Hey, you want to restore someone to the spirit of meekness? Hey, man, I don't have much, but you got a bill I can help you out with. I know you got to be hurting. Are you kidding, man? You'd help me with that? Man, sure, you got to be going through a tough time, man. You lost your salary. You lost your support. You lost that. You got a, a bill I could help you out with. <sighs> Do you know what you just did for him? Help their physical need. Help their physical need. Jesus did. Hey, if you're working all night and catching nothing, are you frustrated? Are you hungry? Are you tired? Whew, you come there and Jesus gives them physical food. Doesn't condemn them. Doesn't put them down. Doesn't preach them. Why are you naked? Peter, why are you naked? Why'd you quit? Why'd you deny me? Did he do any of that? Could he have? If anybody could have condemned him, the Lord, the judge, could he didn't. What did he do? He restored him in the spirit of meekness. Why don't we have the spirit and attitude of Christ? Well, uh, well, you know, Peter, yeah, it, it, it prophesied that he had to do that. Okay. When Jesus, when they brought to him the woman caught in the very act of adultery, how did he handle it? Judgmental, hate, preach, rip, did he? No, no. He, he said, he that's without sin cast the first stone. And then he said, woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, no man, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Well, you read that story. Guess what he gave? He restored her in the spirit of what? Meekness. Caught in the very act of adultery. What could he have said? What could he have done? By the way, the only person who could have thrown the stone by his words were him. Let he that's without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Um, that was Jesus. He was the only one without sin. And he didn't condemn her. He lifted her up, caught in the act of adultery. Hey, I think we need to be more like Jesus when someone falls. What do you think? I think we need to lift them up. I think we need to look at his example to see how Jesus handled it when somebody fell, like Peter, how he loved him and cared about him, restored him and helped him with his financial, uh, physical needs that he had really is a big deal. Remember, when someone falls, they're in sin. They're not going to handle it spiritually. Sorry. You know, maybe when you fall, you'll be that spiritual. You'll handle it. They just fell. They're not spiritual. And God knew that. That's why he told us that our spiritual, hello, to restore someone in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest I'll also be tempted. For years, for years, for years, when I've heard of somebody falling, I've reached out to them. This is a friend just trying to love them, just trying to care about them, not trying to condemn them. It's not my place. I'm not the judge or the jury or the executioner. I'm not the defense attorney or the prosecutor attorney. I am the restorer. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. Let other people do the other jobs. We're the restorer. And don't expect that fallen person to handle everything right. They're fallen. They're in sin. That's why they need a spiritual person who is willing to restore them in the spirit of meekness. And it's not going to happen overnight. 
There are people I've reached out to for weeks, for months uh, when they fell. There was a missionary who was on uh, uh, deputation and uh, quit, accused of something. I don't think it was true, um, but quit the mission field. I mean, quit deputation. And I followed him wherever he went, had a sister-in-law that would give me his address, and I would write him. And I always, never condemning. I love you, praying for you. If I can do anything for you, let me know. If I can do anything for you, let me know. For years, years I did that. One day on Sunday morning, he showed up at our church. I said, man, what are you doing here? Oh, I was just driving by. I thought I'd stop in. <laughs> you liar. He came to church. The next week, we were going to a conference done in Texas, a youth conference. And Dr. Gray preached a different type sermon on Monday night than I ever heard him preach. He preached on God's forgiveness. Monday night of a teen convention in Texas. Forgiveness. This mission went forward and just wept and wept and wept. He came back and said, I finally realized God doesn't hate me. He ended up moving to our church, being a part of our church for a while, and going back to the mission field. He's been on the mission field serving God faithfully 15, 20 years. Wow. Amen. I wonder how many more people could be serving God if we would love them and care about them and in the spirit of meekness look to restore them and help us to understand that when they fail, they're not repenting right away. Yeah, got it. Check. That's not a requirement or a prerequisite to help them. They only have to have been overtaken in a fault. That's it. Let's love them. Let's reach out to them. Let's care about them. I believe we'll have so many more people serving God, helping people, winning souls. Well, they can't pass. Okay, fine. Can they win souls? (laughs) Wouldn't you like to have 500 more soul winners out, Christian, preacher, pastor? Are there 500 people who have fallen out there that if we loved them and restored them in the spirit of meekness and they were soul winners again, would that be okay with you? (laughs) Well, I don't know if they should be able to do that. Oh, really? Okay, check out the woman at the well. The one who had had five husbands and living with somebody? By the way, did she go home and fix that living situation or did she start giving the gospel out right away first? You know the story, she didn't go home yet. She is still technically living with that man and went and told the whole city about Jesus. Huh. Uh, No, no, you wouldn't let that happen, would you? Um, We have so missed it in understanding when people fall. Love them, care about them. They're a sinner. Made out of flesh. I love Psalm one hundred three when God says, "He knoweth our frame; He knoweth that we're dust." Yeah, He made us. <laughs> he didn't make us out of. I lived in Iowa for a long time. He didn't make us out of that good, rich Iowa dirt. He made us out of what? The dust, <laughs> the dust of the ground. Um, he knows our frame. When we sin, God doesn't. He's not shocked. Okay, He knew it was going to happen. He called us in the ministry anyway, and He set a plan for us to be restored so we could be used of God again. Probably not in the same way that we were, but maybe even bigger. Why? Because when sin abounds, what? Help me out. Come on. Grace doth much more abound. So, boy, if we sin big, can God take that sin and use it in a big way to help somebody else? Absolutely, he can. All right. If you disagree, let me know. You can email me at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com and let me know. If uh, your thinking was changed or challenged a little bit, you could let me know that too. I won't use it against you, okay? Um, But I think we need to be careful judging someone's repentance on whether they're worthy for us to try to help them or restore them or not. I don't see that in the Bible. We may have to go weeks, months of loving, caring, restoring in the spirit of meekness before they come to (laughs) themselves and now are repentant and now can fully be restored. All right. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen and uh, hope it was a help. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.
Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.